Thank you for joining us at the St. John's campus of Redeemer Church. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the Redeemer podcast to stay up to date with all of our teaching series. And a great way for you to stay connected to everything going on at Redeemer Church is through the Redeemer app. Download it today. Just search for DeWitt Redeemer Church. Now, let's go to this week's message from guest speaker Justin Bowman. So, Pastor Tim has been opening Sunday mornings the last however many weeks by showing videos from the Disney movie Moana. Uh, quick, informal poll, how many of you have seen the movie? Okay, some. Um, my family and I can get behind this because we love all things Disney, especially the movies. Um, so in this particular video, it shows Moana trying to convince Maui to return the heart of Tefiti, but as you can imagine, Maui does not want to listen. However, the sea insists, so Maui has no choice other than to work with Moana. If you've seen the movie, and I know some of you have, Maui sings a song titled, You're Welcome, prior to the clip some of us has just watched. Um, it took me a while, but I do have that song memorized word for word. But just as I turned my mic off when we were singing, I, I won't prove it to you because nobody wants to hear that. So, um, it's clear from this clip that Moana is stepping out of her comfort zone as she takes a stand against Maui. Growing up on the island that she's from, she hasn't had to really be this bold before. It took a great deal of courage for her to speak up. Now, as Pastor Tim stated before, Moana was dedicated to her mission, and she was willing to take risks to complete that mission. So there's this word evangelism. It's basically become an unspeakable four-letter word in our culture today. If we want to see revitalization happen here at the St. John's campus, we must become invitational to the community once again. To do so requires learning to share your story. However, many people, myself included, fear the rejection that such an invitation may bring. Much like the video we just watched, where Moana's circle of people included only one other person and he rejected her, sharing our faith within our circle may lead to utter and blunt rejection, something no one likes to experience. Last week, you heard about the transformation that took place in Paul's life, but the persecution that he embodied had dispersed the rapidly growing church throughout the Near Eastern world. Peter continued traveling from city to city, preaching and teaching to the Jews. Good old church folks were taking the next step in their faith. But God had another big step for the early church. This next step would be one that would shake the very foundations of the world. So we will be walking through Acts chapter 10 today. In this chapter, we meet a man named Cornelius. Cornelius is a Roman officer. However, he is also a God-fearing man. And one day, during his prayers, he has a vision from God where he is told to send for a man named Simon Peter. 
The angel in his vision even tells Cornelius where the man Peter is staying, which I'm sure was very helpful. So Cornelius sends for Peter. Now, where Peter was staying, he goes up on the rooftop of the house and prays. And while doing so, he falls into a trance and has a vision. The Acts chapter 10, 11 through 6 says, He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Now, while Peter was trying to figure out what this vision means, the men Cornelius sent arrive at his house. Then the Holy Spirit spoke to Peter and told him that it was okay to go with them because he had sent them. So Peter had them stay that night at his house, and the next day they traveled back to Cornelius' house, where he tells Peter all about his visit from the angel and all that has happened since. Now this man Peter was a devout Jew, and back then Jews did not eat the same food as Gentiles, and they certainly didn't associate with them. For Peter to go to the house of Cornelius and to share a meal and the common pleasantries of life, this would mean breaking the religious practices of the Jewish faith. It would mean doing things very differently than how he was raised. It would mean being extremely uncomfortable. It took a vision from God for Peter to take such a big step. When God said in Peter's vision, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them, Peter responded by saying, No, Lord. This is a perfect demonstration of just how hard it is to move out of our comfort zone and do something we don't want to do. Much like when my kids were young, we'd be traveling and would stop somewhere for food. We would make them tell the worker their order. They also objected very strongly several times because they were intimidated by talking to someone they didn't know. They were uncomfortable doing something they hadn't really practiced a lot. And they had a level of fear about doing it incorrectly. Much like Peter. But Peter flatly said, No, Lord. What ultimately changes Peter's heart and mind are God's words of, Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. This is an important moment for Peter and for the church. It doesn't matter what we label as clean, unclean, acceptable, or unacceptable. God decides these things. We do not. St. John's is filled with people like Cornelius, and God is already at work in their lives. He's preparing their hearts so that we can share our story of faith with them. 
What's lacking is not God, nor their willingness to engage with us. What is lacking is our willingness to step out of our comfort zone and simply engage with them. Now back to the book of Acts, when Peter is at Cornelius' house. Acts 10, 34-43 says, Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, and he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. The word witnesses was used very precisely in this passage. Relationships are the foundation of our witness to the world around us. We are not called, we are not called to be persuasive door-to-door -door salespeople of our faith. Jesus says in Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. To be witnesses to the community of St. John's means to live in relationship with people and to allow our genuine, authentic faith to show through because it is who we are on the inside and on the outside. We are not Christians on Sunday and pagans on Monday. We should be the same thing in this building that we are outside of it. If we live our lives this way, in relationship with the people around us, in all our circles of life, we will begin to feel the rhythms of the Holy Spirit's movement in our day-to-day -day interactions. When that happens, and we are in tune with God's active work in our world around us, we develop a sort of sixth sense that enables us to know when and where we should share our faith. We begin to realize when the appropriate time and place is because God has already been working on the hearts of the people around us. In early 2018, at the Tuesday Night Youth Group program, my wife and I lead for middle schoolers at the DeWitt campus, we taught a series titled Storyline. We started the first week by sharing our stories of life and faith. Now, 
these are about 20 to 30 kids we see on a weekly basis. So I would say that we know them fairly well. I'll be the first to tell you, being up there talking about myself, my life, and my story, aspects of my faith, was still very uncomfortable and mildly terrifying. If ever there were a safe space for me to share my faith, it's probably in that gym where I was, talking to students who expect to hear me talk about Jesus, which is what I was doing. It still wasn't easy, so I fully understand the uncomfortableness of sharing our faith with others. Over the five weeks of this series, we had seven adults, six middle school students, and two high school students share their stories. I worked really hard to find these pictures. So there's one on the screen. That's kind of what our Tuesday nights look like. And there's another one that's of a middle school student sharing her story. Each one of them were able to connect with someone in the crowd in a deep and meaningful way, letting someone else know they are not alone in their struggles, doubts, and fears is often the first step in helping them to open their heart and mind to Christ by creating a connection that forms a trusting relationship. Back to the book of Acts 10, 44 through 48, it says, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, Can anyone object to their being baptized? Now that they have received the Holy Spirit, just as we did. So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. Now these verses tell us a few things. First, Cornelius, Cornelius needed Peter and his gospel to know the way to salvation. And second, Peter needed Cornelius and his salvation experience to know that the Gentiles were included in God's plan. Some of us here today may need another believer to help with understanding how God works. Scary part is, we may not have met them yet. And to meet people, we must talk to them. Now I know, I don't like it either, but it's true. It's very difficult to meet people if we don't talk to them. We must understand that God was asking Peter to do something that would disgust most Jews. Jews and Gentiles did not associate together, let alone eat together. If Peter of all people had trouble sharing his faith with someone different than him, is it any wonder that we do too? God often calls us to do the things we don't want to do or are uncomfortable doing. Our response should not 
be to question what we are being called to do, but to step out in faith and do what we are asked to do. Now this begs the question of why do we put so much focus on growth? It's because that's what we've been put here to do. It's not so much an option, but a biblical mandate. Whether we like it or not, God calls every authentic leader into the world to be with people who make us uncomfortable, which is basically a normal Tuesday night at youth group for me. Now, fear is normal in all of this. Being nervous is a natural response to the unknown. So let's be honest. We are all afraid of witnessing to the world around us if it means stepping into people's inner lives. Our fears were also shared by the disciples, and Jesus responded to those fears in Luke chapter 12, verses 8 and 9 and 11 and 12 by saying, I tell you the truth, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man will also acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. But anyone who denies me here on earth will be denied before God's angels. And when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at the time what needs to be said. By keeping our faith strong, we are better able to share our faith with the world around us. This is why our personal devotions, weekly worship, and continued spiritual growth are essential to our effective witness in the community. If our faith becomes stagnant, we begin to rely on our own strength and stop trusting in God's ability to do what only God can do. Sharing our faith with the world around us is the essence of the church. To be Christ's witnesses, first in Jerusalem, then in Judea, then Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now I know it can be difficult to come to church and at the end of the message have the speaker give you one or maybe two action steps to incorporate as you leave. So, this morning, we wanted you to leave with plenty of options to choose from. So now I'm going to give you five steps to share your story. They're not in particular order. You certainly don't have to become an expert at all five. I would recommend focusing on one step, then moving to another as you continue to grow in these areas. So here they are. Step one. They'll be on that screen. Grow in your walk with Christ. If you are going to witness to the people in your life, your faith must be strong. John Wesley said in his sermon on faith, When ye have attained a measure of perfect love, when God has circumcised your hearts and enabled you to love him with all your heart and with all your soul, Think not of resting there. That is impossible. You cannot stand still. You must either rise or fall, rise higher or fall lower. So devote yourself to worshiping regularly. Serve as a host or a greeter 
or a media tech. Volunteer to be at the farmer's market on Saturdays. Start a Bible reading program, a journal, or lead or join a life group. Grow in your faith and keep your faith strong. Step number two, get rid of any Christian slash secular duality. No one is fooled by the lifestyle of Christian on Sunday and secular on Monday. You won't be able to effectively witness while trying to live two different lives. Just be you. It's okay to not know all the answers, and trust me, middle schoolers come up with questions I have no clue and have to do a lot of research. It's okay, it's not okay to give up on seeking the answers. So be yourself and take your faith with you wherever you go. As you do, you will begin to recognize the Holy Spirit moving in your life. Step three, learn your story. Take time to reflect and recognize the many ways God has worked wonders in your life. No one else can tell your faith story. No one else can share your personal experience of Jesus. Each of us must learn our own story and be able to share the events that took place. Take the time to think, pray, and articulate how God has worked in your life. Four, live into your relationships. Take advantage of the opportunities that you are given. We each encounter people daily that God has set in our path. Be relational with people. Whether you are an introvert or an extrovert, it doesn't take much to smile and say please and thank you. You can ask, how are you doing? And then actually listen to the person responding. Something that at one time was a struggle for me with middle schoolers because that question can lead anywhere. Build relationships with people for the sole purpose of loving people. We aren't trying to sell anything, no bait and switch, just build relationships. And step number five, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Listen to the rhythms of the Holy Spirit as you live in relationship with the people around you. As you feel God leading you to share your faith, Share it. Don't be pushy. Just share what God is leading you to share. No script. Simply what's on your heart. Be okay if you receive a response of, no thank you. Our responsibility is to respond to the calling of the Holy Spirit, not the response of the person we are sharing with. Just as in the video we opened with today, Maui made it clear that he had no interest in joining Moana on her mission, but she shared it with him anyway. The mission statement of Redeemer Church is to connect people with the love and life of Jesus Christ. One of the simplest ways to begin doing this is to connect with people by sharing your story. And it's our prayer that sharing your story 
could be the first step in changing someone else's life eternally. Bill Eason once wrote that one of his favorite sayings is, Life comes to us on its way to someone else. If we pass it on, we grow strong. If we keep it to ourselves, we wither and die. The reality is that life is good when it is passed on, and it sours when we keep it to ourselves. So if you haven't yet, please start sharing your story. If you already do, please continue to share it. It can be a powerful, powerful thing to those who hear it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and this time of gathering. Please give us the courage and commitment to sharing our stories as we leave this place. There are many out there just waiting to make a connection that will lead to you. Please help us to reach out to them. It is in the name of your Son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.